0: Okay, so welcome, welcome. The Los Angeles Intergroup proudly presents the Body Image Workshop. We are all so happy that you are here with us today. Um, We are going to spend the next few hours showing one more time how we have a design for living in these 12 steps. So let's just have a little review that we all love called Zoom Etiquette. I love seeing your smiling faces and I hope today that as many people will turn on their cameras And I am going to ask that if you do share today or ask a question that you will turn on your camera at that time. So be sure to stay muted at all times and we will be making sure that that happens. If you are moving around or doing something that we don't want to see, please turn off your camera, eating, exercising, folding your underwear, whatever it might be. And I hope that you will put those things aside so that you can fully immerse into this workshop um everybody knows i believe where the raise hand functions are they're under reactions it should all be there and again we're turning off the chat so any questions just to the co-hosts um so here we are we didn't have time or a, a slot really to put this workshop at the birthday party and so i asked susan and colleen if they would be our first workshop this year for the LA Intergroup, and because they're so wonderful, they graciously accepted. They have been doing this workshop now for 15 years, and I believe I may have done the first one or one of them close to it. If anybody lives in Encino, it was at the Balboa and Ventura at the Encino Community Center. Um, so today they're going to take us on a journey. I believe that they will each share with you a little bit of their story. Um, we are going to be doing work as I've said. So. I will pass it over to which end for one of you is starting off.
1: I'll go ahead and start us off. Good morning, everybody. My name is Colleen. I'm a compulsive reader, and Susan and I are both really thrilled to be here. Thank you, Susan, for asking us to be of service. It's always an honor to get to do this workshop. Um, the miracle of the program is it helps our own recovery. <laughs> so. Um, although our intention is very much that it is helpful to you in some way, um, we bring our experience, strength, and hope, and that's what we have to share here today. So, um, before we get into our stories, um, I thought maybe we'd start with the set aside prayer. So let me, yeah, she had it. I do. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's see here. okay let's try this again okay you should be able to see it yes okay so we'll just start with this first part of the prayer which some of you or most of you probably already know just because we find that it's a good way to make ourselves ready to participate in the workshop today. So Susan, if you wanna say it along with me.
2: Yeah, I'm here.
1: God, God, set please aside set aside me for me all the things, I, things think I think I know about you, you me, A-A-O-A, A-A-O-A, the 12, the 12 steps, recovery, recovery, and especially spiritual, spiritual matters, matters. So I can have an I open mind for a new experience of all those all things. OK, great. So um, as uh, as Susan mentioned, Susan and I, <laughs> too many Susans, <laughs> um, love them both. Um, we're each gonna share a little bit of our, our stories and then um, we'll go ahead and get into the work of doing the steps and And it is gonna be work. It is a workshop. So hopefully you're able to stay present and alert and um, we're gonna be referencing things from the big book and the AA 12 and 12 and the OA 12 and 12 and the Voices of recovery we often refer to as well. And uh, there'll be questions, there'll be time for writing. Um, there will be some sharing time, I think at the end or questions. Um, but one of the things also just to mention is that we do find it's really helpful for you to share what you've written with someone else, whether that's your sponsor or in the past, some people have like created other smaller Zoom meetings with people around them or gotten together um, and shared their writing. So that's always always super helpful. Uh, is there anything else I've forgotten Susan before we go into? Okay. I think you covered it. Okay. So uh, as I said, my name is Colleen. I'm a compulsive overeater. And to um, give you my stats, let's see, I've been abstinent since August 4th of 2002. So I'm about 19 and a half years abstinent by the grace of God and the miracle of 12 steps. My top weight that I know was 311 pounds. I've been maintaining about 160, 170 pound weight loss for probably about 17 years now, which is a complete and total miracle. Um, What's interesting for me in this work is that when I came into the program that many years ago, um, I remember it was the late July of 2002, I didn't come in because I wanted to stop eating compulsively. (laughs) that probably sounds strange why would I show up because I was so uncomfortable in my body I I literally I couldn't stand the size that I had become and I I didn't my story in my head about being the fat girl and that being fat was my problem and etc had just had reached its breaking point you know and it was a pretty steady rise for me I do have Some pictures I can share with you. Let's bring them
3: up. See here.
1: So, you know, I was a pretty normal kid, other than uh, you can see, obviously, I had an affinity for sugar early on. That was definitely one of my my downsides. but my weight didn't start to come on till I was probably around 10 or 11 years old. And then it went up pretty consistently through high school and into college. And then this picture here um, was me when I graduated from college. And um, at this point, you know, I had tried things like um, uh, plus size modeling. I was trying to be an acceptance of things, but. I mean, sugar had a hold on me at a really early age. And then at some point that just delved into more and more of, um, you know, the more processed it was basically, the more I wanted it and the more I could get, um, the better. And so I just began constantly filling myself. So this was actually a wedding. I was a bridesmaid at a wedding in July 4th of 2002. And I remember getting the pictures and being like, oh, my God, because I had this sort of reverse anorexic experience where I would look in the mirror and I wouldn't actually see the body that was there. In my mind, it was smaller. I knew I wasn't thin, but I just I didn't think I was that big. And I was it was only when I for whatever reason, like, I don't know, just God hit me on the head or something went, I want you to see this, you know, I knew I didn't like my body. I'd gone into restaurants and You know, tried to fit in a booth and that hostess had that really like, oh, I'm so sorry because she could tell I couldn't fit in. She's like, we'll find you a table. And I was just mortified, just mortified. And i would got on a diet once when I was like a freshman in high school. I lost about 35, 40 pounds, but I was still a little heavier. And then I had a plateau and I didn't know what that was. So I thought, well, I stopped eating all the stuff I want to eat. You know, what's the point? And again, the problem was always that, like, it was, if I wasn't fat, everything would be fine. It wasn't about, like, I was eating this way. That clearly became evident to me the longer I was in the rooms. But what I found in the rooms when I came in was this just sort of general acceptance, which was something I had never felt before, and it became a safe place. Um, so as I began to work the steps, this was a year of abstinence here and then this was about two years of abstinence because there was a certain level of like I had about four months in let go of of sugar uh, which is hard but you know everything's hard (laughs) at some level in my in my mind like if it's not a little hard like you know life life is is rough sometimes but what we have in this program what we have in these steps is a way of doing life and rough going which i love i love that in the big book bill is just really straight about it like you're not going to want to do this you're not going to be like i'm i'm all gang all the time but it works you know so um after about a year of absence i still had uh, like another 130 or so pounds to go and i just really dove head first and just made this the most important thing and so it's part of the reason for this sort of drastic change between the first and the second year. And then gratefully, I've continued to one day at a time. And that's really what it is. It's always one day at a time, um, live at a healthy body, which is not something I ever thought was possible. And, you know, when I, I lost um, my weight, one of the things that became really clear to me was that it was no longer about getting to a particular number it was like oh I'm here now and there was this sort of like I have a weight range so I get on the scale once a week and I have this five pound range that I navigate through and it was like I had nowhere to go and that's really where the deeper work for me and for me a lot of that meant my body because what I came to realize was that I I carried a lot of animosity towards my body, even though I was now at a healthy body weight, I still had all kinds of negative thoughts and negative ways that I would talk to myself, and my body, the way I regarded my body. And that has been sort of the continual journey all along. And um, it continues to be that, you know, and I guess in some way, because it's a relationship, you know, I have this body that I, wait every time I open my eyes in the morning, like I'm still in it. (laughs) You know, I have to take care of it. Um, I learned that I need to speak kindly to it. Like, just like any relationship does not go very well if I'm constantly writing it or giving it a hard time or demeaning it or, you know, that was all the things I used to do, right? I was the girl in the room who would make a joke about having thunder thighs, because certainly you were looking at my thighs. Little did I know you weren't thinking at all about me, but I had to make a joke about me being fat so that somehow you would be okay with the fact that I was. And really what I was saying is I'm not okay with it. So that's where, you know, working the steps around body image became this really crucial piece. And I have to say that I have such freedom being in a spot, it doesn't mean I always like it or I don't have things wrong with it or, you know, stuff happens, right? You live, you get older. Um, I'm, I need to keep moving it. I need to feed it good fuel, all those kind of things. But I don't demean it and I don't like spend a whole day obsessing and criticizing about it. And I ask God to help me see me as God sees me. And that's only because I work the steps and I continue to work them. So again, hopefully something in our experience will be helpful to you in these steps as we go through them. And with that, I turn it over to Susan.
2: Thanks, Colleen. Uh, Hi, I'm Susan and I'm a compulsive overeater. And uh, first, thank you, Susan, for um, coming and asking us to do our workshop. We uh, love doing it. We just think, you know, we got this gift. Don't know why we got it, but we got it. And um, we do this to carry the message because um, I think you got from what Colleen was talking about. We have such a deep love and gratitude for OA that um, this gives us like three hours to talk about how much we love it, you know. Um, So uh, a little bit about me. Um, well, I got abstinent uh, October 26, 1986. And uh, so I celebrated 35 years uh, in October. And thank you. And um, and it's it's just been an amazing journey. And I'm still here. I, I can't imagine go, going anywhere else. And um, I remember once I was at a meeting and they had questions and answers, and somebody said to me, "Jeffrey, uh, what do you do when you get bored of you know OA and the literature and meetings and stuff like that?" And uh, my answer was, "I don't get bored. I've never gotten bored. Uh, I always find something that I haven't read in a book that I've read a hundred times, something new, and um, OA feeds me." It feeds me nourishment and it feeds me everything I need to live a life, to live a life that I never even dreamed about and um, to live a life basically uh, in peace about my body. Um, And I just wanted to say that everything Colleen and I talk about today and any uh, writing exercises that we do, we've done ourselves. And because we've done this so many times, I mean, we just really, I don't know, I I couldn't complain about my body one bit. I'm so grateful for it, you know. Um, As I get older, it changes, but that's life. I kind of expected that to happen. So um, to begin with, I started getting teased for my size when I was six and started hating my body then. I just hated it, I was ashamed. My best friend was long and lanky. Her mother baked cakes. Her house smelled like bacon in the morning, and yet they were skinny. And the cake was on the table for days. You know, everybody would have a piece for dessert at dinner, and then the rest of the cake was for the next day. Um, something I, I just couldn't understand. I, like Colleen, I was addicted to sugar. I didn't know it at the time, but I would steal money from uh, my mother or father, who, whoever had change hanging around, and give it to this kid who um, he went home for lunch, but he passed by a 7 Eleven. So I uh, asked him to buy me stuff. Um, anything that had hostess in the uh, title was good for me. Um, so, uh, but I will say this about food and my childhood. I felt very alone in in my house, my parents, my brother and my sister, I still felt very alone. Um, I feel like I was betrayed by every adult that I was close to. And so the food, I think the food just kept me company. And I I've said this, I think I might've died of loneliness if it wasn't for the food um and we do say you know the food works until it doesn't so uh as i got older i became much more aware of other people's bodies and i would say uh in high school whatever i did socially depended on how i felt about my body and most most all the time i hated it and i really um missed out on a lot of uh social things, fun things, going to the beach, whatever, um, because I was too ashamed of myself. I mean, that's really it. I was just ashamed of who I was, what I looked like. Um, I would watch my friends eat, and they would eat foods that I never allowed myself to eat. And they were thin. And I I didn't get it. I just just didn't get it. And I obsessed about this all the time. I was bulimic uh, for a while. I, uh, uh, one of my roommates, I was living in New York, one of my roommates, we always read the magazines and stuff. And she said, she said, I found a way to eat whatever I want and not gain weight. So this was in the early seventies. There was no word bulimia. There was no word anorexia. There was no eating disorder. There was nothing. I thought she was brilliant. I just thought she was brilliant. Couldn't wait to try it out. So I did. And I would say in that first year i um I did it a couple times, probably my birthday and probably Thanksgiving, something like that. And um, what I want to say is, if it stayed that way, if I did it two or three times a year, I wouldn't be here. That was really manageable, you know. Um, Over the next seven years, it progressed and I was doing it up to 10 times a day and kind of a prisoner of where I lived. Um, My weekends revolved around food, getting it, getting rid of it, you know, the whole thing. Um, But still, I still wouldn't let myself, I was still ruled by what I thought my body looked like. And, um, you know, I was one of those people, oh, if I only lost 10 pounds, life would be perfect. But as, um, as my weight went up and up and up, and I was still saying 10 pounds, that was kind of naive of me. Um, I should say, I've lost uh, about 50 pounds here. I'm very short. So that 50 pounds went a long way for me. I'm only 5'1", and I'm lying about that. So um, uh, yeah, uh, so 50 pounds went a long way. Um, So I came here because um, I knew a guy, Gary, he came here, he lost over a hundred pounds and he kept it off, you know? And I came in when he was about five years abstinent. And um, I went to five meetings in five days and I fled. The whole God thing really turned me off. I was a very proud, atheist, very proud and very arrogant about it too, you know. I didn't need a god. I didn't need that crutch. Well, I never considered that food was my crutch. I didn't need a god. I didn't need religion. Um, but over the next three years, uh, for some reason, I stopped purging, but I kept binging like a bulimic. And um I once read that the average bulimic binge is about 50 or 60,000 calories, and that's what I was eating. Uh, So here I was, and um, I had no choice. You know, we call it the gift of desperation, and it was for me, but, you know, I didn't know it at the time. So I'll speed this up. I came in, I, uh, I heard the God stuff. I didn't want to hear it. I thought I would only work two steps in the program—the first one and the twelfth—because they didn't have God in them. And um, but I listened. I listened to what people from the podium said, and they had what I wanted. They had weight loss, but more than that, they were comfortable in their own skin, and that became more attractive to me than anything. And if they believed in God. I was gonna believe in God, you know, I had no choice. So um, I had a little journey of believing in God, uh, of working to believe in God. I started believing in God about four months before I got abstinent. I think I just needed to, you know, exercise my God muscle. Um, And while I was working on the third step, I had a sponsor. I wasn't really sure how, how to do it. What, what do I do? Somebody said, dig a ditch and then you'll turn your life over. That would have made sense for me, but I didn't understand the whole concept of emotionally doing that. And um, so one day I was reading the newspaper and uh, I saw a Peanuts cartoon. I've never read Peanuts before. And I promise you, I never read Peanuts after. This was one day. And Charlie Brown is reading a book, and Lucy's on a swing. And Charlie said, Do you know that it takes uh, about 365 days for the Earth to revolve around the sun? And she's swinging. She said, Really? He says, Yep, says it right here. Are you sure about that? Absolutely. And Lucy says, Well, that's funny because I thought the world revolved around me. And my first thought was, Lucy, too. And I had a globe all of a sudden on my head, you know, those, uh, I have one here, you know, those tin globes from elementary school. And I pictured it on my head and I just gave it, I gave it to my higher power and I got abstinent. And uh, it wasn't easy in the beginning. I don't think people talk about that uh, as much as we should getting abstinent in the beginning wasn't easy. It was lonely. I was without my best friend. It was a lonely time for me, but I stuck with it. I hung out with people in the program. I went to meetings, called my sponsor every day. I did the deal. I I just did the deal. And slowly but surely, this became an integral part of my life. My relationship with my higher power is probably the most important relationship that I have. And um, I got to have a life, none that I ever thought I was gonna have, but I got it. And it's all, every gift I have is all because I come here. So um, if you're having problems, if uh, you want, you wonder if OA is a place for you, I just really encourage you to try some meetings, try some more meetings. If it doesn't work for you, that's fine. we are gonna be here if you come back. So um, thanks a lot. Okay. All right. We're going to start. We're going to start with step one. Um, So what I want to say about step one is the reason that uh, Colleen and I started doing this was that OA, you know, has, you know, we, uh, uh, we want to help people who have, uh, who can't stop eating and. Um, we want to help them get abstinent. Uh, so, but we also noticed that people talk about their bodies as much as they talk about food in the rooms. And, um, there's a lot of talk about it. And we, uh, so we thought, well, let's do this, you know? And when we talk about, when we say the set aside prayer, basically For me, it's you've done the work on the steps, but now we're gonna do the work. We're gonna go through every step on your body image. And um, uh, that's what we want you to have an open mind about today. Uh, Not on your compulsive overeating, of course, that has something to do with it, but your body image. So um, step one, We admitted we were powerless over compulsive eating and that our lives have become unmanageable. Uh, Everything that we say is like a quote from some of the literature. We didn't we didn't make this up out of our brilliance. Um, So uh, I just want to uh, say that the OA book. So I use the OA um, second edition um, and everything else I used uh, whatever edition they were. I think that's the only one that has different editions actually. Uh, So in the OA uh, 12 and 12 on page seven, it says only an honest admission to ourselves of the reality of our condition can save us from our destructive eating. But there's something else on the other side of uh, step one, there's a dash and it says, and our lives became unmanageable. Uh, And that's also from the OA 12 and 12. The same principle applies to our unmanageable lives. As long as we know what is best for us, we cling to our habitual ways of thinking and acting. Yet these ways of thinking and acting got us into the unhealthy, unhappy condition we were in when we came to OA. And in the big book on page 52, it talks uh, more about being powerless over compulsive eating we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. So the, um, The first uh, writing assignment, which will be on step one, is how has the way that you've assessed about your body affected your life? Like, you know, socializing, going to the beach, intimate relationships, Uh, and there will be, what is that, five minutes to do that. And like Colleen said, please share this with somebody, your sponsor, anybody. Please share this writing with somebody so uh, you're not alone with it. Okay, five minutes.
0: That was five minutes. Great, I thought so. Okay.
2: Um, This is what I wanted to say about uh, being powerless. in the big book it says we can't what it says is we can't quit, no matter uh, how much self control can cure us in voices of recovery, I love this uh, on page 15 it said, I am powerless over fixing myself but i'm not helpless. Like that. So step two. One came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So if our lives are unmanageable and we need to be restored to sanity, why not apply it to this part of my life, too? So what do we need? Uh, In the big book, it says, do I now believe or am I ever willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? In the OA, 12 and 12, on page 14, it says, we begin to do this by asking ourselves what exactly we needed and wanted God to be to us, and to do for us. Then we acted as if God really uh, exactly did what we wanted and needed for a higher power to be. The willingness to act on faith was the key to step two. Coming to believe was something that happened as we began to take action, which others told us had worked for them. So uh, for step two, the writing is, what does sanity look like to you in your obsession with your body or how you think about your body? And uh, Colleen's gonna put that question up.
3: Five minutes.
1: All right, so now we move on to step three. Step three is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. So uh, on the big book on page 60, um, it says, being convinced we were at step three, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understood him. And it asks this question about like, so what do we mean by that? What do we do? And it says the first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. So I had to acknowledge the fact that my way of relating to my body and seeing my body was not successful. Um, So that was the first thing. And then it goes on to say that that on that basis, we're almost always in a collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. Most people try to live by self-proportion. So you know, in my twisted thinking, I thought like, well, if I hate this part of me long enough, then somehow it'll get better. (laughs) Uh, didn't work. And then on page 62, it says at the last paragraph, it says, this is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal; we are his agents. He is the father, and we are his children. And then it goes on to say, most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. So it tells me that if I decide to quit playing God, so that's that came in the question of like, okay, so it. I need to be able to see my body as God sees my body. And that became a prayer for me. Uh, So the question for step three, share my screen here, is what would you like your higher power to do for you regarding your obsession with your body? So one thing for me was that I wanted my higher power to give me different words. And I literally, I'm not kidding you, would say, God, help me see me as you see me. So we have five minutes for that. So as a way to close step three, there's a reading from the Voices of Recovery on page 223, which is August 10th. And it first gives a quote from the OA 12 and 12. It says, we now say yes to this power, deciding from here on to follow spiritual guidance and making every decision. And the commentary says, in every decision, my mind went into instant rebuff mode upon reading those words. Oh sure, I could see the need to surrender my will and my life to a power greater than myself in food related matters. Just how many fruits can I dice up really small and cram on top of my cereal and still remain spiritually fit? How many trips to the salad bar constitutes a normal meal? But in every decision, whether to ask for a raise, to take on a new sponsoring, to read Lifeline or TV Guide, to go to bed with this attractive stranger, to phone my mother or my sponsor, to tell this jerk I'm plenty miffed, in all the small and large decisions that make up a day, that make up a life. The words on the first page of step three gaze back at me serenely. I hesitated and then totally capitulated to their injunction and I've never regretted that surrender. So it is a, a process of surrendering my image of my body over to my higher power. And we begin step four. So step four is made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. So in the AA 12 and 12 on page 49, it says pride says you need not pass this way and fear says you dare not look. But the testimony of AAs who really tried a moral inventory is that pride and fear of this sort turn out to be boogeymen, nothing else. And then the fourth step promise, which is on page 49 to 50 in the AA 12 and 12, says, once we have a complete willingness to take inventory and exert ourselves to do the job thoroughly, a wonderful light falls upon this foggy scene. As we persist, a brand new kind of confidence is born and the sense of relief at finally facing ourselves is indescribable. These are the first fruits of step four. Now in the big book, it reminds us or it tells us that step four on page 64, is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process in order to discover the truth. There's nothing here about criticizing ourselves, about shaming ourselves, about making ourselves wrong, simply taking an inventory so that we can get at what the truth is. And then on page 65 at the bottom, it says nothing counts but thoroughness and honesty. So in that light for step four, what we're gonna be doing, it's actually a three-part process. the first two parts are writing, and then I'll explain the term we get to that. So the first part of the writing is to do more of a history. And then um, the second part of the writing is more present day. So um, for each, I'll have 10 minutes and I'll pause you, I'll stop you between each of them. So let's see here, it's, let me pull this up so that when I share it, it'll work. Okay. All right, so this is, let me see. okay, so this is in terms of like how far you can back, you can remember. And these are just some prompts to get you to help you start writing, all right? For anyone who's a perfectionist out there, this is not about, um, answering every single one of these. Uh, you can start at the top of the bottom if you want. Um, and just for the sake of the recording, I'll just say some of these. So the first time you remember looking at your body in the mirror, the first time someone commented on your body, whether it was positive or negative, um, playing sports or other activities, maybe a time when you got hurt or certain ailments that you had. Um, I was always bumping and tripping and falling all the time. Um, I'm actually a dancer. It's strange, but... That was the thing that I was always doing. When you remember developing um, or getting facial hair, first time you had to wear deodorant or um, a guy fellow in mine said it was a big deal to like decide whether he was gonna wear boxers or briefs. Um, The first time you started menstruating or your first erection um, being the shortest or the biggest or the tallest or the widest, um, just general embarrassment about your body, not fitting into clothing, tucking in your shirt Um, Fitness class, I hated PE. (laughs) I used to hold my breath at the end of PE when we were standing in line for the water fountain because I want the rest of the kids to hear me breathing heavily because I was so exhausted. Chronic pain, Um, messages from family and friends about like their bodies. Um, Were you ever scared or angry at your body for anything? Did you ever harm your body physically in any way? Is there anything kind or nice that you learned to do for your body? So again, these are just prompts to get you Thinking and moving and, and you know conjuring up some of those things just to kind of get it all out there. So you'll have ten minutes for that.
0: Colleen, is it possible to make the
1: okay? So now I'm going to post the second set of questions. Give me a second here, let me get it ready. And this is about experiences of being in your body now. And if you're still working on the other ones, you can work on that. This you'll have another 10 minutes for. So um, some of the questions for this are how, is, how does living in the body you are in now serve you? How do you see yourself? What things do you like about your body? What things do you not like about your body? Are you present in your own body? What would you like to see change about your body image? What beliefs or ideas do you hold about body image? What beliefs do you hold about your own body? You have a hard time speaking up when it comes to your body. In other words, asking for what you want or needed the hairdresser. Like I used to not say something when like it was burning my scalp or something, or I'd have a difficult time asking somebody not to do this because it hurt. Um, what are some nice things that you do to your body? What are some not nice things you do? What are fears that you have about your body? Um, are there things that you don't like about your body that you can change? I'm trying to navigate. I lose my scrolling bar here. Okay. What's stopping you from changing? So, that's those questions. And I'll post those in the chat as well. And again, it's not about answering all the questions, these are just prompts. If your writing goes somewhere else entirely, just go with it. That's my suggestion.
0: Okay, the first question, Jesse R. Go ahead, please. And if it's specifically for Susan or Colleen, say so. If not, either of them will respond.
4: Just wanna thank you for having this. I'm just learning a lot and I'm happy to be here.
5: Thank you.
0: Thank you, Jesse. Lynn L.
2: Hi, um, it's for either one of you. I, I'm having a lot of feelings come up writing this stuff out. I and mean, It's very painful. Can you? Uh, Address that (laughs) I know I should just have them, but it's not so easy because it's coming so fast. Uh, We always tell everybody hi Lynn, by the way, Um, good to see you. Uh, You know, to share these questions, I mean, I think if you know that you're going to be you're going to be able to say these out loud to your sponsor to a friend whomever you could call me, you know. I think that will. I think knowing that is really helpful for, for me anyway. So uh, I hope that helps. And um,
0: yeah, thank you, Rita R.
6: Yes, hi. Uh, this is a a question for either one of you. Um, Any thoughts on kind of that, um, like the impact of sexism um, has kind of, uh, kind of, kind of driven some of this um, obsessive behavior, um, kind of controlling, trying to control and body image stuff? That's it.
0: not sure if that's more of an outside issue, Susan. Yeah,
1: I'm not, I think it might be, yeah. Yeah,
0: I'm sorry, I think we're going to pass on that one. I'm sorry, thank you. Nadia from Calgary, thank you.
4: Hi, um, I just wanted to ask you if you could possibly reframe or just kind of reword question two. It was what does sanity look like to you with regards to your obsession with your body or how do you think about your body? I just got really stuck on that question and I couldn't really answer it. Sure. Thank you. Um
2: sure. Um what that means to me is if I wasn't obsessed with my body. Got it? You got it already. There you go.
0: <laughs> okay, great. Tammy, come on in. I'm mute.
7: Um this is for either one of you. I'm like really overwhelmed and have a lot of feelings going on and not sure. I'm like overwhelmed. <laughs>
1: Um, is it normal? Very normal. Okay. Yes, very normal. This brings up a lot of stuff for people. It brought up a lot of stuff for me. It continues to be a lot of stuff. There's, what is the ex- cheesy expressions, issues in our tissues. So, you know, like it's going to bring up stuff and that's totally normal and already you're the second person who said that out loud and I can trust you that if people are answering these questions, every single person in here is having feelings. So totally normal, totally okay. Make sure that you set up for yourself somebody that you can share it with. That's really, really important. And I, I can promise you that whoever you share it with will be doing this as you're talking. Like this is so common among us and sometimes we don't talk about it. So that's why this is really helpful. So it won't continue to hurt always. This is part of that process of Bringing it up so that you can see it, you can bring it to the light of the twelve steps, and then it can be healed.
0: Okay, thank you. Just a reminder here that we aren't alone in this, right? Everybody's having the same emotions and feelings, which I think is very important to know. Okay, we'll go to Debbie then Annie. Go ahead, Debbie S. That is. Hi. Um, my question is, is because
8: I have chronic pain issues, I'm slower in writing and could not get all of the questions. And I wanted to know if there was a way I could get the, a copy of the questions after the meeting or something so that I can further um, develop my answers. Does well, that make I sense?
0: There's going to be a recording of this, right, Susan? Yes. Yeah. So there'll be a recording, so all of the questions are on there, and then you can stay in touch with me. And if for some reason you have an issue, we will help you further. Thank you. How Deb. do you how do you get the recording? The recording will be on the Los Angeles Intergroup webpage later on okay. this. Day. Of course, thank you're you. welcome. Annie, go ahead
9: and unmute. Um. Thank you. I I forget my body a lot, and so that last question it was really hard to answer, and I I have a feeling that it's kind of one of the keys to like because often i'll I'll lose weight and then i freak out and i just it's 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 an interesting block so i'm I'm wondering if either of you have any thoughts or experience on that like just like trying to push it out of my mind completely so that i'm not in pain or that i'm not i don't it's very strange so
1: uh, here's what i'll say from my experience like There are certain safety mechanisms that our minds and our bodies do to keep us safe. And and I have found in, in my recovery that when I'm ready to deal and face with those things, those become present to me. So don't try and force anything. Like if something comes up for you, then allow it to come up and make sure, again, that you have someone that you can talk to so you're not trying to navigate it by yourself. But don't try and force anything. I have never found that to be helpful thank you jackie go ahead please
9: hi thank you um i i want to accept my body the way it is even when you know i gain weight and i don't like the way i look i don't feel good um and my clothes don't fit um but and I know that it changes, like my weight changes with my mood, um, my body weight, and then thus my image of my body changes. Um, like when I'm depressed, I, I tend to gain weight. Um, and I, what I don't like about this is that it shows how I'm thinking and feeling about myself, and I don't want people to know that. Like I don't want people to judge me. I just. Don't understand like how I can get from the reality is is that I don't like the way my body looks and it's not as attractive as it was you know, two months ago say. Um, but how can I be happy with it, if you know it's there.
2: Um, I have found for me that my obsession about my body is just covering up things I don't want to look at. You know, they say, if you want to uh, know why you're compulsively eating or obsessing about your body, stop doing it and everything will come up. And I think that just for me, obsessing about my body has nothing to do with what I weigh. It has nothing to do with what I look like. It's just another obsession. So like when I was a kid, it was a a thing that... um, so I didn't have to feel how lonely I was, you know, or that I couldn't trust anybody around me. And as I grow up, the feelings change, but I'm still obsessing. So if I'm obsessing, I have to I have to go under, you know, even do writing about it. I'm obsessing about my body because I don't want to think about fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. Thank oh, you. Sure.
0: Yeah. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to go back and do a little bit of work again. And after eight and nine, we will have more time for sharing. But I just wanted to break this up a little bit because I can tell from the faces that people are feeling uncomfortable. Um, and we don't want that, right? But pain is the touch as they've always told me, and it appears to be true. So I will hand it back over to Colleen. And you're going to get to draw a picture very soon. I remember doing this part.
1: I can't draw.
0: So don't worry. <laughs> Go ahead, Colin.
1: Okay, thank you. So for the third part of step three, uh, you are in fact gonna do a drawing. Now my drawing skills are about stick figure extent. So let me pull up the instructions for you here. So you're just gonna draw a simple representation of your body. Um, and sorry, I, didn't, I don't think I'm sharing my screen. Hold on. Here we go. I'm like, I'm looking at it, but you're not seeing it. There we go. Okay. So just draw a simple representation of your body, like a stick figure, and then place a positive symbol, like a heart or a star or something like that, on the parts of your body that you do like. And then an X on the parts of your body that you don't like, but you don't get to put an X over the whole body. Like, so for example, for me, I always liked my collar bones. Like, I liked, this um, even when I was really heavy, I don't know why or whatever. So that was the one area where I could be like, that's a part of my like. It's about starting somewhere, you know. It could be you like your fingernails, it could be like your hair, it could be like your eye, whatever. Just one, at least one part of your body that you like, and if there's more, that's great. Um, but just it's just that general inventory because I have a tendency when I'm. And when I've been in body obsessions, like the whole thing is like, forget it, can't stand this, you know, or all I can do is zero in on the one part that I absolutely cannot stand. And then that clouds out everything else. So uh, you'll have five minutes for that. Okay, so now we're going to go on to step five. So step five is admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. In the AA 12 and 12, on page 55, it says that all of AA's 12 steps ask us to go contrary to our natural desires. They all deflate our egos. When it comes to ego deflation, few steps are harder to take than five but scarcely any step is more necessary to long-term sobriety and peace of mind than this one. And then in the big book on page 72, which is the into action, it tells us that this is perhaps difficult. So talking about these things, writing about these things, doing this work is difficult. Um, It says, especially discussing our defects with another person. And then, but it says at the bottom of the page of 72, trying to avoid this humbling experience, um, people have turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, they got drunk. Um, And so it just speaks to the idea of continuing to tell all of our story. And, you know, this is a way we carry our disease in our body, this is part of our story. and so it just goes on at the bottom of page 73 that must be entirely honest to somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world. And I can tell you that by learning to share and talk about these things, it has been very, very freeing. So um, let's see here. Step five. That's right. There's no specific. Um, there's no specific question or anything like that. That's just, again, where we encourage you to make sure that you have somebody that you share this with um, one-on-one or a small group, preferably in person if possible. If not, um, then definitely just make sure that you share it so you don't keep it all to yourself.
2: Okay, ready for me. Did I hear someone have a question or no? Okay, we're gonna go on to step six. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. So willing to change is the essence of step six. And this is from Voices of Recovery, page 263. Growing and changing is what OA is about. Miracle and spiritual uh, awakenings have come as a result of my slow growth. I wanted to live in the insanity of doing the same things over and over expecting different results. It was too scary to change. Thank God I stayed around until the miracle happened. Step six was my guide to a willingness to change. I'm grateful I became willing to surrender to the process. I, wel- I welcome opportunities for growth and recovery to do things differently. That is change. My program allows me to take care of myself, to grow, improve, work with others, get out of myself and make a difference in the world. I open myself to God's will for my life. I will always be a compulsive overeater, but with my higher power, I have the ability to change. Um, You know, in the very first line in uh, step six, in the AA 12 and 12, it says, this is the step that separates the men from the boys, and I was so befuddled when I first read it. I was like, "Why? Why would? Why would this be different? Why isn't it the fourth step? You know, which is for me pretty dramatic. Um, why is it this?" And um, but he answers it. He says on page sixty-eight of the OA twelve uh, AA twelve and twelve. Sorry. So the difference between the boys and the men is the difference between striving for a self-determined objective and for the perfect objective, which is God. So, you know, we're just always looking to see what our higher power wants from us. And um, I know for me, when I, I have two voices in my head and one, if one is, you know, calling me names you know or telling me that I'm no good or not good enough or whatever and not perfect I know that's my disease talking to me but when I have a kind loving but firm voice I know that's my higher power so then you know really it's up to me who am I going to listen to which voice am I going to listen to you know hopefully I uh I more and more listen to my higher power. I know there have been times that I just go to the other voice just because i it's its happened. Um, so are we now ready to let God remove from us all these things we admitted are objectionable? And in the OA 12 and 12 on page 48, it says, being entirely ready means that we are completely willing to recognize and let go of our defective behavior patterns and to let God change us as God will. We don't set a timetable or a method for these changes. When and how our defects are removed is entirely up to God. Um, What I've learned is that every defect was useful to me in in some part of my life. That's why I use them, you know, and that's what I was doing was using them. Um, and so I have to look at that, uh, so, and I also have to look at, um, that these defects have now outlived their usefulness. So we're going to go to step seven because we're going to work on this together. Um, so step seven is all about humility and, uh, in the AA 12 and 12 on page 72, it says humility is a desire to seek and do God's will. Um, this is my favorite, my favorite step in the AA 12 and 12, because humility to me was, um, you know, uh, feeling sorry for something that I did and humbled by it and humbled not in a good way. Um, and for me, what has changed is humility for me is um, seeing the good and the bad in me. And when I say bad, it's just I'm not robbing a bank, you know. Things that I could change, um, uh, things that I uh, are definitely outlived its usefulness. But the humility, the good part of the humility is I'm also be, I'm also able to see the good parts of me. I have good parts, and um, I didn't see that for a long time. Honestly, I thought it was a piece of shit that's how I grew up and um uh now I can see good things and it's lovely it's just a a lovely way to feel and it's not a bragging way to feel or um you know an arrogant way to feel it's just a, a thing you know all these actions are just things and um so for me that that's why I love this step so much um in and it it continues in the uh, AA 12 and 12 for just so long as we were convinced that we could live exclusively by our own individual strength and intelligence for just that long was a working faith in a higher power impossible there is definitely a theme in these steps isn't there we uh Enjoy moments in which there is something like real peace of mind. This is why we give up these defects. To those of us who have hitherto known only excitement, depression, anxiety. In other words, to all of us, this newfound peace is a priceless gift. So um, we can use God to give up these uh, defects the way we did with food. Um, Humility is recognizing that we can't that only God can. Um, And I think this is, um, is something that somebody asked before, I needed the food because I needed to be obsessed with myself physically and mentally. Now I have a higher power. And on page 76 in the AA 12 and 12, it says, the seventh step is where we make the change in our attitude which permits us with humility as our guide to move out from ourselves toward others and toward God. The whole emphasis of step seven is on humility. It is really saying to us that we now ought to be willing to try humility in seeking the removal of our shortcomings just as we did when we admitted that we were powerless over food and came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. If that degree of humility could enable us to find the grace by which suddenly such a deadly obsession could be banished then there must be hope to have the same result for any other problems we could possibly have. Uh, These tools for coping for life have now outlived their usefulness. Only when we realize that they are costing more than they are giving us do we become entirely ready to remove these defects. So for the writing of step six and seven, uh, there are two questions. What is the benefit of having these defects about your body? I'll let you write that. And the second part is, what is it costing you to have these defects about your body? Oh, they're there, I didn't have to be slow. Okay, and I think that's five minutes too. Oh, 10 minutes.
0: That was your 10 minutes. And because again, we want to hear from you and how everybody's doing because you're texting me and writing to me and I alone cannot help you. So let's see some hands again, and we'll take a little bit of time. And again, if you can get right to the questions, so we can help as many people. So we'll go to Connie in Texas, and then we'll go to Deb in Arizona. Go ahead, please, Connie. Connie, can you unmute? Or shall we come back? Connie, we'll come back to you. Okay. I'm here, I'm here, I, I, Thank was, you. I apologize. I was trying to unmute, but it said the host- will No worries, on. go ahead.
10: Uh, my question is, um, I have been abstinent and I've lost weight. So how do you accept that new body? How do you um, in, encompass that where you're, you're getting compliments but your first thought is, well, how bad did I really look instead of appreciating where you're at
1: now? How do you work on that? Well, for me, I learned that other people's opinions of my body are none of my business, first of all. Second of all, um, I, my experience of that prayer I came up with, like, God, help me see me as you see me, was because I was walking with a couple of girlfriends of mine, and I saw three sets of legs in this mirror reflection. I didn't know which ones were mine. And so I realized that like, I had, just as I had no sense of what my body was like before I lost weight, I continued to not have a sense. And so I would look in the mirror and just the medicine cabinet mirror, you know, and just say, God, help me see me as you see me. And I meant physically, but then it it became much more than that. But that was my biggest start because that's really what I was concerned about.
0: Thank you. Okay, Deb from Arizona, come on in. You're still muted.
9: Go ahead. Okay, hello. Thank you, Deb, food addict, body obsessor. So um, one of the things that's changed for me is now aging. So, um, you know, I'm thinking, sorry, the dog thinks I'm talking to her. Um, do you, I mean, I guess I'm really answering my own question, but can you just talk a little bit about how you would use this, the steps around aging and seeing my body different as I age?
2: Well, that's probably a good question for me. <laughs> as I'm aging, um, you know, I I guess I, I've made peace with it, um, just like I made peace with my body kind of before I was aging, uh, it changes. And I have to accept that. It's not just my body that changes, it's everybody's body that changes. Um, and as long as I stay abstinent, uh, I accept those changes. Um, They are, yeah, they happen. (laughs) They really happen. And um, it's just, I think, acceptance, you know? Uh, This is my God-given body and it's not any excuse for me to eat more. Um, You know, I think they say you have to eat less as you get older. I don't do that either, (laughs) I just eat. What I eat, you know, I, um, and sometimes I just have to ask, what should I eat now? That's that's something that I've had to do throughout my recovery when I get, get all, what am I going to eat? What am I going to eat? I have to stop. Just say, what am I going to eat now? And then I just ask God to let me know when I've had enough. Cause I think sometimes still gets broken. So I hope that helps.
0: Thank you. Okay, now we're going to go
11: to Canada, Joanna, Joanne, Joanne, it's a muted H, Susan. Um, Hi, everyone. Thank you for being here this afternoon. Um, I'll tell you, my disease didn't give me a chance to really connect with my body. Um, I was, you know, too busy stuffing my face and, you know, clouding my mind. How do you? I'm on step six and been by the grace of God abstinent for almost past forty days. And uh, how do you start connecting? Because you know I'm 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 doing the spiritual and the emotional sobriety, and the physical, but there's no connection with my body. Right now, I know I have all this weight to lose and. And I don't know how to address that relationship because over the period of my life, I was in life when I lost weight and I was back in the hole when I gained the weight. Uh, And, you know, I'm, I'm sort of don't know how to go about the physical part of this recovery still. Thank you. Let's have one of them respond. Thank
1: you so much for the question. Yes, thank you. So um, for me, I guess on top, I just couldn't ignore it. Like I'd hurt myself or I would, you know, I would, you know, maybe it's living in LA, but like there's all these images about how you're supposed to look and what this is supposed to be and and stuff like that. And so um, I just started to notice that the way that I spoke to myself, spoke to my body was probably not helpful. So, um, I mean, my take is just from my own experience, is not to try and force anything, you know? It's like, God, if there's something you want me to be aware of about my body that I need to be connected to, then help me grow that awareness. Like, if if you don't want me to, then don't let me. And just turn that over as well, because like, I think there's a lot of languaging around how like we're supposed to be focused on this or not focused on this and who's to say so I just again just use that as another thing to turn over to my higher power.
0: Thank you Colleen. Carla and San Miguel would you like to unmute. Thank you. Thank you for this whole
10: experience it's wonderful so. Uh, <clears throat> I was wondering if there was uh, someone who wrote or, I mean, you each could talk about the question, but some programs have signs of recovery. For example, I'm not obsessing as much and I'm doing more physical exercise or uh, I made a new friend who is non-judgment, you know, signs of, of recovery and body image. Progress, not perfection kind of question. I'm not sure what the question is. The question is, in your experience, along the way, it's a process. It's not either I'm obsessing or I'm not. It's how much, what am I catching the thoughts, step one, two, and three, you know, but uh, you know, because in the food, I can tell progress. I don't eat sugar. I eat three meals. I eat to hunger, but with body image, I exercise more. For example, instead of thinking about exercising.
1: Mm-hmm. So, what's the question? Oh,
10: we're what? not hearing what's the question? question. Yeah. I think
1: yeah. what she's asking is, she wants to know, like, what would, how, how do we know that we have. Uh, a sense of recovery in the area of body image. Is that just like, do you want, like how do I know that today I'm in a better place than I was 18 years ago or 20 years ago when I first started to connect that I had stuff around my body? Very good. uh, Okay. For me, I would say that I definitely catch the thoughts much quicker and I don't let them just ruminate. I do not give them permission. And I also don't believe them. Like in the same way that like in the beginning when I stopped eating sugar, I'd walk into a 7-Eleven to get some coffee and like the hostess things or whatever were like doing jumping jacks and singing songs. And I didn't think, oh, I need to eat that because all of a sudden I'm thinking about that. In the same way that like Susan referenced before that for me, if I'm obsessing heavily about like my thighs or with this or whatever, like I go, okay, it's not about that. There's something else going on. And maybe in some way this is saving me from feeling something deeper right now. But I again I turn it over to God. Like if this is what you want me focused on, then this is what you want me focused on. And I often just sort of stop and ask God the question like, how do you see my body right now?
0: Thank you, Colleen. And last question, Jesse. And then we have to get back to work and we will come back to this. Go ahead, Jesse, with your question, please. Thank,
7: you. thank you. What else? Um, thank you again for having this. I'm happy to be here. Um morning, a lot, uh, Jesse. Um I'm kind of new to this, so I just wanted to say, how do you get used to your new body like adjust to all these new uh, changes? How does it feel? Thank you. Uh,
2: I can take that. Uh, thanks, Jesse. Um, you know, in the beginning, when I lost my weight, I just had to kind of get practical about it. I knew what size I was wearing. Uh, I know what people look like at that size, you know. I knew that um, I was uh, feeling close to God, working a pretty good program, because somebody asked me to sponsor them. Oh, well, that's a good thing too. You know what I mean. I just, I just had to take the emotion out of it and just look at the facts. So that that's really what I did in the beginning until I just got used to what size I am, which is the same size, and. Um, yeah, living with that. Just the facts, ma'am. That's what, that's
12: what I did.
0: Thank you. Okay, so we will come back to some more Q&A because you have more work to do. Never ends, right? Go ahead.
2: Okay. Uh, we're going to go to step eight and nine. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. So what is an amend? Uh, An amend is something, amend means something to change. This is from the OA uh, 12 and 12 on page 66. We complete our amends for our wrongful actions of the past by changing our actions in the future. Uh, The purpose of step eight in Voices of Recovery, page 181, is to learn to change attitudes of, learn to change, change to learn Attitudes of mercy and forgiveness. Love your imperfect self and your imperfect world. For if you cannot love life the way it is, you will suffer from eternal loneliness. The ability to love yourself and those around you is a gift from God that enables you to live fully, bravely, and meaningfully in an imperfect world. To refuse to free, this is a new uh, in uh, 08, 12 and 12, page 60. To refuse to forgive others or ourselves is to continue to hurt ourselves. So um, we can skip making amends if we want freedom from compulsive eating. And I would add from our body obsession. So we're gonna to go to step nine. May direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. So the goal of step nine, the OA 12 and 12 tells me, On page 64, the purpose of step nine is to clear away guilt and ill will so that we can establish better relationships with people whom our lives have touched. In making amends, we'll need to acknowledge the specific harm we've done, apologize, make appropriate restitution, and change our behavior toward the future. I think that's actually verbatim from uh, the AA 12 and 12 also, not from the big book. Um, So how do we make amends to ourselves? We complete our amends for our wrongful actions of the past by changing our actions in the future. This is especially important when making amends to ourselves. Um, So what we're gonna do is write an amends letter to yourself. I was always taught, um, I certainly don't make amends to people for my thoughts probably otherwise there'd be no nobody else left in the world um but to myself when I make a men's letter to myself I actually I include my thoughts my actions but really it's for me it was a big one mostly about my thoughts so um that's uh what you're going to do now and that is how long is that I have five Five minutes. minutes yeah five minutes
0: thanks Susan I'm just going to step in for one second sorry because a lot of people have been asking me what an amends letter looks like to yourself and I have firsthand experience I had to write a letter of amends to my legs okay if you don't know me I used to weigh 200 sorry I'm standing up because I'm just so stiff from sitting I used to weigh 250 pounds and I had a lot of body damage physically mentally and spiritually and I always complained about my legs to my sponsor and so I had to write a letter of amends to them and also remember where I would be without my legs, from the simplest things of when my nephew was little, saying I wouldn't be able to run around the park with him, pick him up, all of these kinds of things. And from friends along the way, even Susan and I are very good friends, of being told that I was self-deprecating when we were in Croatia once for two weeks. <laughs> and again, I had to amend those behaviors. And those behaviors were very, very broken and ingrained in me. And from doing this work continually day in and day out. And as Harlan always says, who is here, it works, it really does is the most important line in the book. So sometimes the work is very painful and I commend all of you for being here and sticking through these three hours. So again, you have to write those letters to the parts of you, you know, deep down in your soul. And it's hard and read it aloud to somebody else. And you will, again, it's always how free do you want to be? So I think we're gonna keep moving along now because we don't have much longer to go and we will have plenty of time for Q&A at the end. So I see your hands, Vicki and Amaris, and if you have actual questions, I will remember that you're first to share. You can type to me in the chat and I will try and help you. Thank you so much. I just want
2: to add, sorry, Colleen. I just want to add, please, Make sure we say this a million times. You read this to somebody that's really, really important. Okay,
1: go ahead. So, step 10 continue to take personal inventory when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. So, on page 84 in the big book, um, we get to step 10. And it's one of my favorites, and I love them all. But I love it because it's this theme of continuing. This work isn't just done. We don't get to the 12 step and then we graduate. So it says, it suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. So it tells me I'm not gonna just get this done. I'm never gonna have a bad thought about my body. I'm never gonna like say something crude to myself. That's not gonna happen. Um, It says, we vigorously commenced this way of living as we cleaned up the past, we have entered into the world of spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone, then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. So as I catch those thoughts that come up and I catch um, me having this sustained attitude when I look in the mirror or whatever, like I remind myself, like love and tolerance is my code towards my body, right? Um, that I need God's help. Like, God, how do you see this? And I'll just give a brief example I was leaving the gym one morning and I, I used to go to the gym for all this pandemic stuff and, and work out on the elliptical for like 45 minutes. So I'd kick ass on the elliptical. Sorry, I'm probably not supposed to discuss. Um, Feel really good. And then I'd get on my clothes to go for work and felt like the skirt was too tight and like maybe I've gained weight. And I could hear the language in my head as I was heading to the parking lot to put my stuff in my car. And I just, I literally like stopped. And I said, you know what? All right, God, how do you see my body? Like, cause clearly where my head's going is not well. And I paused for a minute. And the first word that popped in my mind was functional. And I was like, functional? Like I'm thinking like fabulous, great looking, super strong, like functional. But then I, I just sort of let it sit with me for a minute. And I was just like, right, yeah, like I'm able to work out at the gym, like I'm walking to my car, like my legs get me from one place to another. And you know, it was so interesting, yesterday in the grocery store, I was walking around the grocery store and there was a woman who came through who was on this wheelchair who had one arm and no legs. (laughs) I thought to myself, of all the times I've ever complained about my legs, like she'd probably give anything to have legs to complain about or whatever. And it just, you know, it's moments like that when I go, right, okay, this is where I get to continue to do this work. Um, so that's just something, you know, for me, where I catch myself to say, God, how do you see this? And, and, you know, all of a sudden, like the whole day looked really different, really didn't care what I thought was happening with my scope or whatever. Um, And another reference is from the A 12 and 12 on page 88. It says, for the wise have always known that no one can make much of his life until self-searching becomes a regular habit, until he's able to admit and accept what he finds, until he patiently, persistently tries to correct what is wrong. And so what that means is that if like a disparaging thought about my body or someone else's or something comes to my mind. I don't um add to it by like making myself bad and wrong. What's my problem? Why am I doing that? I just go, all oh, right. <laughs> Stinking thinking. Oh yes. Okay. What do we do now? You know. And then the last thing I'll read is from the voices of recovery for December 10th, which is page 345. Um, and it's in reference to step 10. And the comment is, our disease is a disease of the attitudes. However, the years I've spent in OA have shown me that although my disease is progressive, so is my recovery. When I was active in my eating disorder, I hated everything about my life. My world consisted of binges, blame, fear, shame, jealousy, and rage. I was imprisoned by unrealistic expectations of people, I would say of my body, bitterly resenting their imperfections. I also hated myself because I couldn't stop eating. Negativity breeds hopelessness and I was trapped. Recovery teaches me that my gratitude and my serenity snowball, just like my negative attitudes did. As I work the 12 steps of this program, it becomes fulfilling to focus on the good in my life. It doesn't always come easily. Sometimes I struggle to think positively, but when my attitudes slip, I know there's hope. Now my world consists of daily miracles, both large and small, that keep the light in my eyes and the lightness in my heart. Positive thinking breeds acceptance, and today I am free. So for step 10, what you're going to do is, based on the... Um, A men's letter. You're going to write an affirmation. Let's see here. Share this. So the idea is uh, to write an affirmation. Just a couple of thoughts about. Oh, did we lose Colleen? You did. Sorry, I'm back. Goodness gracious, I want to share my screen. Like, if you don't know. <laughs> okay. So for step 10, you're going to write an affirmation. The suggestion is to maybe take something from your amends letter, but it may be outside of that. Um, I suggest that you state it in the positive and not make it contingent on something else. So when this happens, I will do this or when I feel this. So some examples for me are things like, I'm grateful for my body. Um, I'm open to seeing my body as God sees my body. Um, I like my shoulders. It could be anything from, um, I'm grateful that I'm able to move and breathe. Um, I'm open to seeing what's good about my body. Those are just some different examples. And you all have five minutes for this. So, with this step 10, with this affirmation, the suggestion is to what I've done before is like uh, put it on a post note or an index card or something, and i put it in a place where I'd see it, whether that was on the refrigerator or my bathroom mirror, and then I would repeat it to myself over the next 30 or 40 days. That's the continuing part.
2: Okay. <clears throat> Step 11. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Um, And of course, the short version of this step is, thy will, not mine, be done. So what is prayer? Um, In the AA 12 and 12 on page 102, it tells me that raising the heart and mind to God, to petition God, to let us know God's will for us. And in the uh, OA 12 and 12, on page 78, it says, we need to bring in to, into our prayers the thing that concerns us so that we can bring our will into alignment with God's will. I really like that one. Um, what is meditation? On page, uh, the AA 12 and 12 on page 101. Its objective is always the same, to improve our conscious contact with God, with his grace, wisdom, and love. Um, And the OA 12 and 12 on page 79, they call it spiritual nourishment, which I really like. Um, So for step 11, uh, the writing is write a letter uh, from your higher power to you telling you how God sees your body.
1: Congratulations, everybody. We've managed to step 12. woo Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So in the big book on page 89, which is chapter seven, Working With Others, it says practical experience shows that nothing will so much, so much will ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics, it works when other activities fail. And then it goes on to say at the bottom of the page that to be helpful is our only aim. And you know, in Bill's story on page 16, he tells us we have to perfect and enlarge our spiritual life. um, If we want to try to survive the trouble spots ahead. In the A twelve and twelve, page one twenty-five, it says, "For only, for it is only by accepting and solving our problems that we can begin to get right with ourselves, and with the world about us, and with Him who presides over us all." And then the last reading that I'll leave you with is um, from the Voices of Recovery for January sixteenth. So it's on page sixteen. And the quote from the OA 12 and 12 says, those of us who live this program don't simply carry the message, we are the message. Each day that we live well, we are well, and we embody the joy of recovery. And the commentary says, when I first walked into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, I was like the candle whose light is flickering and close to going out. I was sick in mind, body, and spirit. I was hopeless. Many OA members describe OA as the last house on the block. I do not know if that is true, since I do not know where the block begins or ends. I do know that what I found in OA can be found only in the heart and mind of another recovering compulsive overeater. The flickering light that I came in with became stronger and the hopelessness turned into hopefulness. I can be a living example or a dying example of how the program works. My courage to recover and my experiences in a way serve as an example to those who know me. I represent and carry the message of hope. So there's no slide to display for step 12. Um, The 12th suggestion in this case is that after you have worked with the affirmation that you created for the next 30 or 40 days is to share that affirmation with somebody else. Maybe you heard them say something in a meeting and you think that it might be helpful to them or they might connect or relate or share your experience of doing the affirmation. Um, So that's your 12th suggestion. Okay,
0: well, here we are, that flew by. So now we're going to open it up for sharing, which will be timed and or questions. I can stay on a few minutes after if Susan and Colleen can, because I know there's going to be a lot. And if somebody's brave and wants to share their reading or an awakening that you've had, I hope that you have. So Susan and Colleen, if you can please put your phone numbers in the chat, the chat is now open. And again, as a reminder, the recording will be available later on this week. So later on this week is not today, means in a few days past Monday. Okay, that being said, Eva, would you like to unmute? And do you have a question or a share? Oh, wait, I have to let you unmute. One moment,
13: please, people.
0: You can now unmute
13: yourself. Um, hi, everyone, I'm Eva, Composible Reader. Super glad to be here. Um, I have both um, question and share because well, I've been in OA since 2014, and I was, like, doing very well with my weight and all. I had this wonderful meal plan. Everything was going well. I lost a ton of weight, and then, boom, I got pregnant. So, after pregnancy, my meal plan and my body weight went up, I mean, like, <laughs> terribly up. I mean, everything went like, I feel like my whole body weight and my meal plan went out of control with the pregnancy. And now, well, my baby is eight months old. And I feel, and I felt really terrible about my whole body image. And I really wanted to ask if anyone had that experience with pregnancy and having a baby and all the body changes and, and the body image thing in no way.
0: So I know for a fact that neither Susan, or Colleen have actually had a baby. There are other people here who have that maybe somebody can write to you privately in the chat, but Susan and or Colleen, if you have something to add to that, um, no? Okay, sorry, that's, um, sorry about that. But there are many ladies on here who have had babies, that I know, but thank you for sharing your honesty with us. We appreciate it. Natalie D, go ahead, please.
14: Hi there. Uh, my name's Natalie. I'm a compulsive overeater, bulimic, and compulsive exerciser. Um, this has been insane. This is a roller coaster. <laughs> I didn't expect uh, for this to be so uh, unreal. So I'm so grateful to be here. Um, I'd like to share. Um, I'd like to share uh, a, a a breakthrough thought and then my affirmations, if that's okay. Um, when we were discussing the um the benefits of having our defects around body image i i thought i was thinking for a long couple minutes about what were like what was the benefit of any of that and then it came to me that being so obsessed with my body and keeping the focus on my body kept the focus off of the real problem which was how my brain is as a compulsive overeater and not being able to cope with life um, or trying to cope and and that was the real problem was that I didn't have a design for living and so I just it my body image obsession clouded what was really going on which was me being a compulsive overeater um, so I, I'm glad to, to have had that um, that awakening today And then I'd just like to share my affirmations, Um, I wrote three down, Um, one is my body is the body my HP has meant for me to be in today and I am open to accepting it with gentle love for today. Next is I'm grateful for my functional body, that is mine, that is uniquely made just for me with the eyes of a power greater than me. I am open to seeing it as God sees it lastly i'm grateful to experience all life brings my way in my body as it is today <laughs> thank you so much i'll
0: pass thank you natalie for your bravery in sharing that with us well done you okay let's go to arizona harlan go ahead and unmute yourself please
4: thank you very much this was a very traumatic workshop for me i'm very accustomed to Hearing about steps and hearing about the big book, this was very traumatic for me because this is an issue that I have been dealing with from the day that I was born. When I was three and four years old, uh, people would be screaming at my mother and father about why you're letting them get so fat. By the time I was 13 and 14 years old, I had an overhanging stomach. I was completely emasculated by this disease, not only in a physical sense, I was emasculated emotionally. I was not a man. I was not a woman. I, I, was, I was just there. Never in my entire life have I had the thrill or the excitement of having someone see me and say, wow, that guy's attractive. That has never been my situation. I have 23 years of abstinence. By the time, I, I, I just wanted to say that but by the time I was a senior in high school, I was 335 pounds. By the time I was a sophomore in college, I was 500 pounds. By the time I graduated college, I was 600 pounds. By the time a few years had passed, I was 700 pounds. I had a size 80, 86 inch waist. I had one pair of pants that fit. I did not have underwear. I had towels shoved between layers of flab. And one of the things that really weighed on me, weighed on me, that's a good one, weighed on me was I wanted to kill myself because I knew that it would be many years before I could lose the weight. And I often said, I wish I was a drug addict. I wish I was an alcoholic because they don't have the ravages of this. Today, after all these years of recovery, I still suffer the pain of the body, I have bubby arms, I have thunder thighs. Thanks mom, I have thunder thighs. I have all these ravages of the body image and the fat in my back that only a surgeon can get off. I have lost over 500 pounds in this program. I'm gonna say that again so that it sinks in. I was over 700 pounds. I have lost over 500 pounds in this program. And to this day, this is the biggest vestige of the pocket of disease that ravages my brain. And I have to work on it constantly. I'm still paying the price for the Kentucky Fried Chicken that I ate in 1966. I'm still paying the price for the McDonald's French fries that I ate in 1968 or nine. I have a price to pay for this disease. And the reason that I'm sharing this isn't just to get it off my chest. I'm sharing this in case you are thinking you're gonna get away with something, you're not. I thought I was gonna get away with something. That's time, Harlan, sorry. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Susan. Thank you both Susans and uh, for Colleen too.
0: Thank you, thank you. And now I'm going to go to Amaris because you had your hand up earlier and I didn't forget. Go ahead, please.
9: Hello, Um, I'm really glad to
7: be here. This has been a wonderful workshop. Um, It was pretty difficult to have to look at things inwardly. And with that being said, I have a couple of questions. When does the forgiveness take effect? We wrote this letter about making amends to ourselves. So when does that take effect? And is it an ongoing process? That's for anyone to answer.
1: I would say that it is an ongoing process, you know, Um, and, and I've also experienced when like things were sort of immediately just lifted. Um, I've experienced both. So what I've learned to do is let go of whatever I think that's going to look like my expectations of like, well, if I was experiencing forgiveness, it would look like this, or if I was having um, recovery, it would be like this and just surrender that as well. That's been helpful for me.
2: What's been helpful for me is to, uh, I'm sorry, that's my dog, uh, to reread my letter to myself of the amends letter. That's really helpful. So hope that
0: helps. Thank you, Amorous. Next, we're going to go to Oray, then Stephen. Go ahead, Oray, please.
5: Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, man, I just echo everybody else. It was tough. Uh, walking through this process, especially as a man, um, you know, I can identify, you know, that's that's why I, I can identify with women because, uh, you know, and they're they're a little bit more vocal about it. But, you know, I have the same experiences. Um, and, you know, one thing in this 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 whole exercise, when you talked about like, I think it was around six or seven. Like you know, just how is this serving me? You know, what it really, what it really does is, I just don't know how to be okay with being me. Like I don't know how to be okay. Like I don't know. There's still like there's still a part of me is just, that's still thinking like, am I? Like how do I get? How do I feel love? Like how do I feel loved? Um, how do I be okay? and i and in and, and and at some point i said okay well maybe 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 if my body is right that's when i'll be loved and accepted and you know like and i still have that still have this childish thinking that if i get my body right that's when i'll that's that's when people will like me they'll love me they'll accept me i'll be okay you know and and I, and i can see it but on an emotional level i still believe it like if my body is, if my body is right, I'm all, I'm all right. Um, so that's one thing that came out for me in this process. And also, you know, I just realized like just how critical I am of other people's bodies. You know, that's something that I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not proud of. Like just, just getting an awareness, like look how critical I am of other people's bodies. You know, that's just not, that's not cool. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to uh, those are kind of some insights that I pulled away from this. and yeah, thank you, thank you, Susan, and thank you, Colleen. Thank
0: you, Oray, who is sits on the LA board with me as I just want to acknowledge some other people are here. Oray does the events, special events. Uh, we do Thanksgiving in the park, all kinds of different things. And actually, Oray, if you have the flyer for your event coming up, if you want to post it, um, and Lewis is here, who's our treasurer. Stephanie's here, Katie had to leave. Um, who else is here? Arlene is our chair. We're all scared of her, no we aren't. And I can't see who else is here. I think Candace is here. So I just wanted to give a shout out to them always for their support. Next we'll go to Steven in New York and then we will continue on. Go ahead, Stephen.
15: Oh, thank you, Susan. Um, I just wanted to share two sentences that came out of my writing on the hope front for anybody that's where I'm at, which is in the process. But, um, you know, with a lot of, uh, questions and doubts and uh, feeling of like, you know, can this really happen for me, you know, or am I going to go back? And, uh, the first thing was, was the end of the amends. And I found myself writing, it's going to be a great ride. Um, meaning this process. And then, and then just before where, where God was writing to us, which is um, at the end, he wrote a lot of things really quick, but at the end he he wrote, I intend for your journey to be a long one and beyond your wildest dreams. Um, I'm not one of those pie in the sky people. But um, I'm choosing to believe that today, and I'm be- and I'm choosing to believe that if that's God's intention for me, it should be God's intention for everybody, everybody here. Otherwise, I can't hang with them. So I just wanted to share that and thank you. This is amazing. I'm going to listen to it again in several days when it comes out.
0: Thank you, Stephen, so much. Ruth H, would you
6: like to go ahead and unmute and share, please? Thank you. Hi, I'm Ruth. I'm a compulsive overeater, bulimic, and addict. And um, I just really want to thank um, the LA Intergroup and uh, Colleen and uh, Susan and Susan for um, for putting this on. I, um, you know, I had the recording from the uh, uh, Colorado uh Convention and I just never did it because it had to it had to be me doing it on my own and so it was really good that you guys put this on and I could sign up and be here and um, I'm really looking forward to reading what I've wrote written to my sponsor. Um, And I just want to add this you know i'm 56 years old i've been coming in and out of these rooms, since I was about mm, 20 or so. And, um, you know, it's a journey that is uh, not always been a straightforward one. And it's had its ups and downs. And I've had really beautiful recovery. And then I've lost my recovery and I come back to it. And now my recovery is kind of a plodding, trudging <laughs> recovery. So, um, and especially I appreciate uh, uh, Colleen talking about, you know, the changes during menopause. It's been really tough loving myself. And um, this body image stuff just, kicks my butt and then finally I just want to say that one of the things that really came up for me in my writing today was not just the body image stuff but the whole like personality image stuff that I have you know I'm not smart enough I'm not funny enough I'm not personable enough like all of that is so mixed into you know how I see myself in this world and it's all work that um There's more to be revealed, but I really appreciate the tangible tools that you guys have given us. Read this stuff to my sponsor, write down the affirmation, repeat the affirmation, and then share it with someone else. And that was really helpful. I need tangible steps. Thank you. Thank you so much. Jane,
0: go ahead, please.
8: Hi Jane, uh, compulsive overeater restrictor from Southern California. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I have a question, but this, this workshop blew my mind and my heart open. I'm so grateful to everyone that made this possible. Um, I think something that gave me like full body chills was the, when Colleen talked about the functionality and that's something that like wow, like what a beautiful thing to put in my pocket. My question is that, you know, the more I'm abstinent and the more I work the steps and the food thoughts and the body image gets, you know, I feel like it gets lifted or it's lighter. I'm noticing that underneath it is a lot of fear around health and just not really fully trusting my body, you know? Um, and um, with like a few health scares in the last year, I'm wondering if either of you have any uh, experience strength and hope on how to apply this to fearing, like there's a trust with the body, but also fearing, um, you know, life and sometimes health issues come up and like being afraid of the body, if that makes any sense or being afraid to get checked because there might be X and it's like, oh, but that me, that is me and my will, um, you know, and not trusting God fully. And so I think I know the answer, but I'm just curious. Thank you.
1: I can speak to that. So I've definitely dealt with a lot of like fear of my body or fear of of just uh, awareness of sensations in my body or like not wanting to get a test done or something like, what is it going to show or whatever? Um, And what I've learned to do is just um, get quiet, you know, Sometimes I see my body as like a little kid, like, is there something you're trying to tell me here? If there's something that's bothering me or whatever. Um, and I totally know it's my head that wants to take it and like run down the football field of disaster. It's all going to be bad, you know, and I, that's just where I have to bring God into it. Like, you know, what, what's going on. And that usually brings me like right here, right now, developing a lot of mindfulness practices has also really helped Um, I mean, that's not specific to the steps, but in the the step 11 certainly would incorporate that. So that would be my experience.
0: Thank you, Colleen, so much. Um,
12: Ella, go ahead, please. Hi, um, thank you very, very much for this uh, workshop. I'm not sure why I joined it, but it was really important to me. And I notice as I've been aging, I'm gonna be 80, Um, in a few months. I have many things I don't like about (laughs) about how things are looking. And and I remember that, oh, you applied this same thing to being fat, like that things weren't okay. And um, I guess I just wanted to offer that... um, The letter from HP said, um, personally, Ella, I think focus on the insides on developing love and tolerance and kindness. The outer body will continue to have limitations, degeneration, more signs of aging. There's not much you can do about that. And I started thinking about the serenity prayer Um, what are the things I can't change and what are the things I can and please show me what they are because you know there's always this image of conquering the body and somehow being stronger and fitter and running a marathon and climbing Mount Fuji at 80 and um, so but but that I think when I focus in that way I tend to just say well f it I'm not going to even try And so that to me is like say, suddenly take the serenity prayer and say, please show me what and how I need to work on and what and how I need to accept. So I I just wanna thank you again for these these questions. It's been really beyond any expectation I had of what would happen and um, especially the history going back over the history has been it's really eye opening so thank you again. Thank
0: you so much i'm going to have to cut the sharing down to two minutes, because I have a little Oscar party to go to okay Donna in Edmonton.
3: Thank you so much for this workshop i've been in and out of the rooms of, of OA for uh, oh six seven eight years more out than in and. Taken lots of uh workshops and 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 step studies and stuff, but this one really has given me um, my spiritual solution. And I'm grateful for that. Thank you so much. And I'd like to share with you the letter to me from my higher power, whom I choose to call God. But first I have a question. Is it possible to make the chat? saveable there, there's lots of comments and phone numbers
0: going by but they're going too fast to catch them and i know the chat that we can save it so right. so um, so let me just interrupt unfortunately not we set a lot of things up today like the Eventbrite, so that we wouldn't be bombed so oh, okay. you can either write them down take a quick screenshot of them do but we did this all for security and it appears to have worked thank okay, you of course Thank you. And and I'd just like to share
3: my letter and thank you for the opportunity to to write this. Um, My dear child, Donna, you are blessed with a whole and fully functional body. I entrust this gift to you. Protect your body as you would any precious gift. Nourish your body. As with manna from heaven, exercise your body as if each day is your last on earth. Treat it as you treat me, with awe, reverence, love, and gratitude. Show patience to your body and continue the forward motion, one foot in front of the other, one day at a time. You are enough. I love you, Donna. And that's from my higher power, and I'm just blown away. Thank you so much
0: love when people are so brave to share. Thank you, Donna. Okay, next. So no more hands after Lita will be the last one. Tamar, go ahead, please.
16: Hi, I was wondering if Susan could clarify the question six and seven. But to
2: clarify six and seven?
16: Um, there was a question. There right. were the two, que- right, two right. questions. I can put them in the chat if you want. I, I, I know okay. I, I have the questions I just sorry comp- compute. Okay.
2: Um, you know, one of the things that I uh, I read is that um, where is it? Uh, every character defect we have today has been useful to us at some point in our lives. So I need to look at what I need to look at my character defects. I mean, that's what we do. Um, And then I would just pick one and just look at it and think, how is this useful? How did I use this defect? You know, how did I? I had to tell myself, you know, I'm worthless. Why? I just did. Is it helping me today? Do I need it today? I don't need it today. I have a higher power. Who tells me differently.
3: So hope- it's not,
16: yep. Yeah, I, I was looking at it focused on body image. So that's where the disconnect was.
2: Yeah. And you could use, use it, of course. That's what it's that's what it's for, is body image. Um, you know, I don't have to think of myself as a fat pig today or a glutton, you know, or be ashamed of myself. Uh, and it goes back to. I have a higher power, you know, and I am loved no matter what size I am, no matter what I look like. That's not that's not the quality of a person for me is what I look like. It's just not and it's not serving me. So I have to listen to what my higher power tells me as opposed to that disease. Hope that
16: helps. Thank you. Yes. Thank you
0: thank you great perfect timing michelle b go ahead please hi this was a terrific workshop
7: um in the first part of it when people were asking questions the first question and answer and people were talking about how they were overwhelmed i was feeling such a sense of shame i just was overwhelmed with shame and as we went on in the workshop a couple of things were written in the chat. One is that it really does work, and one is hopelessness turns into hopefulness, and I realized that we went through all of the steps, and I did all of the steps, and by the time I got to step 12, I wasn't feeling so shamed anymore. And that I wanna pass on to you in case anybody asks you at future workshops, what do you do with these immense feelings? Tell them to let the steps do their work because it really did work. And I'd really like to read my affirmation because it's so different from the shame that I felt at the beginning. And it just says, and I, I also needed to be specific rather than general. So this was actually just for me. I like my body frame. I will take care of my body by carefully washing it, moisturizing it, and exercising it. I am grateful that my lungs function well so that I can breathe to exercise. I like that my exercise routine is doable. I am grateful that I can walk. I'm not taking care of myself right now. I'm not washing my face every day and taking a shower every day and exercising every day. But this workshop helped me to deal with the issue of shame and to start looking at that. And I'll be able to talk to my sponsor about this and move forward just as I've been able to get a grasp on my overeating. So thank you.
0: How lucky were you for a
12: second? I was muted,
0: (laughs) Sandy B, go ahead, please.
12: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And um, what, I'm, what I'm going to say about the workshop has been said so many times, but I just have to say it quickly. At first, I was going to, I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it. Um, I felt bad. It took me back in, in, in the past, a uh, place where I didn't really want to go. But when I was there, I said, oh, I put so much into what people thought about my body. I could have had a good time <laughs> if I hadn't done all that but I'm gonna fast forward to my letter from God. And here is what he said. Hi Sandy, I see your body is strong and resilient. You're taking care of it more and doing a good job. You are not perfect. I didn't make you that way. Keep up the good work. That tops it all off. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Love audience participation. Anna Maria, go ahead, please. I I have a question. So I realized
10: that um, my obsession with my body, they transfer to the obsession of the body with other people, notably with men. I'm heterosexual, I'm dating. So I don't even look at men when they're fat or if they don't have a body like the way I think they should have it. And I realized that that's my disease because I'm basically passing on them all my body obsession. But um, so my question is, uh, if any one of you had the same experience and how did you work on this obsession that it's not, not only for your body, but that you project on somebody else's body. Thank you.
1: I'll just share quickly that sometimes the first indication to me is that I'm in a funk about my own body is I'm being super critical of everyone around me. So it's like a little bit of a red flag, like, oh, right. So what's really going on? And again, it's, it's like the smoke and mirrors. Like it could be that I don't wanna, like for a date example, like I don't really wanna like be with all the stuff that I've got going on about meeting up with this guy, you know, and if I can, it's like this fake surface thing or whatever, that's really not, a, it's usually fear-based in my experience. So if it's fear, then the opposite of fear is God.
0: Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much,
7: Susan. Thanks for an incredible workshop, everyone who put this together. Um, The workshop was amazing to me because it took me to places that um, I didn't necessarily visit in my fourth step. There were places that um, were mind-boggling. And for me, I guess in the affirmations, the things that really stood out to me, and what I will definitely put on posts on my bathroom mirror, is
0: that I am enough. And I am more than the sum of my body parts. Thank you. Thank you, Lita. And we will close out with Deb, and then we will all say a prayer together. Go ahead, Deb. Hi, um, I'm Deb, and I'm a compulsive overeater
16: uh, and body obsessor. Um, First of all, I want to thank Colleen, Susan, and Susan again for a fabulous workshop. So I'm 72, almost 73 now, and uh, over my lifetime, I've been um, definitely obsessed with body image as it relates to my own sexuality. I think I was kind of hypersexual, but again, I was a child of the 60s, so a lot of my friends were (laughs) hypersexual at that time, but um, yeah, uh, and obsessed with the way my body looked. I still am, but in addition to that, what this workshop brought up for me is how I'm body obsessing over my aging process. Right now I have a big fat sling on. I've had a second shoulder surgery to the same shoulder. I need one on my other side. And um, yeah, I'm concerned about my uh, future athleticism, my ability to do things that I've always done in the past. Um, you know, I've never been like the top athlete, but I've always been active. And now I'm just finding that my body is, is failing me. And so what I went to during this workshop, you know, in my affirmation and in my letter from my higher power is more about, um, what's in the future for me and my worrying over that. Um, so if there are any other folks, um, here who have some of those same concerns, I'd love to hear from you. Um, I'll put my phone number in the chat if there is time to do that so people can see it.
0: Um, And thank you so much for the workshop, it was wonderful. Thank you. So on behalf of the LA Intergroup, truly Susan and Colleen, thank you so, so much. I know that every time you do this, as we've heard evidence today, you change lives. So thank you.